Scripture reading this morning is going to come from John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. John 20, verses 30 and 31. If you're in the Pew Bibles, that's page 962. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here. We've been going around and knocking on thousands of doors and encouraging people to be guests. So we really are thankful that you're here. It's good to see everybody here. What a wonderful congregation. God has blessed us with many wonderful opportunities. Last Sunday, we placed a strong emphasis all day long on the second greatest commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. And we especially Sunday thought about the application of that toward children in our area that God is giving us the opportunity to help. We want to remind all of our members that if you want to participate in supply in July, which is the opportunity to give young people uh, that need some help right here in our eight elementary schools right around us. They need help getting their school supplies together and some clothing. And there are packets out in the foyer and you're encouraged to take those and bring back uh, those goods that will be delivered uh, or those families will come here to the building in late July and be ready for school to start in August. And we're thankful that God gives us the opportunity to help in that way. Also, uh, you may remember that uh, Lytle Thomas came from inner city, Nashville inner city ministry, and he spoke Sunday night. Wow, it was powerful. It was a blessing to be here. And so this morning in our Bible classes, there'll be an envelope passed around. And if you want to make uh, whether small or large donation to that wonderful work of inner city, uh, please don't feel like what you have is too small. And yet it's worthy of a very, very generous donation. And if you want to write a check, you can make that check out to the Mount Juliet Church of Christ in the ear market for the inner city ministry. And uh, of course, all that is given through the envelopes there uh, will go to that great work in the expansion uh, that they are hoping in a sense is a once in a lifetime expansion. And so we're thankful to have the opportunity to help in that way. Well, if you've been around here long at all this morning or the last few weeks, you know very well that we are really in, in the midst of the beginning of our 12questions.net campaign. And it's been exciting. Uh, doors were knocked on for almost 12 hours Friday. Uh, some, many of us were coming back towards the church building slightly after 8 o'clock in Friday evening. And then all day yesterday until 6.30 or 7, uh, doors were knocked upon. And uh, those of you that have been doing that, you know that the tremendous blessing it is. Let me just quickly say, uh, so that we'll have a report so all of us know the good news. And that is, neighbors are glad that were coming to their door. The reception, nine out of 10 times, is very positive. And what's also interesting is how positive it is about this particular campaign of 12 questions. How many people have said, I've seen that, I've wanted to know more about that, and as it's described to them, they either smile, and interestingly, many of us that have knocked doors have also had individuals to shed tears. When people turn to God to ask a question 
And they're challenged to only ask one question. They usually go to the depths of her heart. And to stand on the porch with someone and to see their eyes well up with tears and to talk with them about what's on their heart and what they would like to hear from God's holy word and be able to say, you know, Monday at 7 is a time that you really ought to come. Or Tuesday at, at, at 8.30. Or, it's just amazing. And so we want to encourage all of us, continue talking about it because I assure you, people are very interested in what is happening. And uh, we're thankful that God's given us this opportunity. Uh, David Burka mentioned early in, in this worship service, the opportunity to sign up for the early and the late sessions. I know many of you have maybe a particular session you really want to hear. Could I ask you as our members, of course, yes, you're invited to all the sessions and no need to sign up. But our members, if you've been thinking about, you know, I, I haven't signed up, but, but I'm going to. Could I urge you right after this service to go sign up for one of today's topics? Obviously, it's real important we fill them all up. But once we all leave here this morning, there's a session starting at 545 uh, this afternoon. And so let's make sure that that today's are, are full and and then we'll work forward uh, from that. Also, keep in mind that at seven o'clock uh, this evening, tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday, we will all be gathered here in the auditorium. The next slide has uh, what what those topics are and so uh, just know though we the elders everybody's encouraged to be here at this very location the early and late session is over in the chapel next door we oftentimes refer to it as the 2030 building or the youth building and uh, those sessions are over there if we can help answer questions member or guest it doesn't matter uh, we want to answer those we realize that there's a lot going on and, and there's a lot that maybe we've not communicated clearly so feel free uh, there's no dumb question if, if you have questions about how this is working or, or which one I should come to or, or help me decide, please uh, know that. We would love to visit with you about that. Also know that every, every session that is over in the chapel is also going to be simulcasted here in this room. It will also be live streamed online. Uh, if you are one of our members and you are in the chapel, and of course we have an influx and, and there may be a few topics that we really do have a great influx. Talking to people at the door, you know, you start hearing, hey, I really want to come to this session. Uh, so if we do, naturally, if that room fills up, we'll ask some of our members to come over here and enjoy participating in that session here in the simulcast. So be mindful of that and be observant of that and be willing to volunteer for that. And, and uh, if that kind of rubs you the wrong way, go camp out in James 2 a little bit today. Please don't come back to one of those sessions before you read James 2. And, uh, and I really mean that. I mean that from the depths of my heart. If, if you're like, oh, I can't believe that, go read James 2. And then if you have a problem with it, you probably need to find a new Lord and a new place to worship. Uh, but, but please read James 2 if you are not understanding what we are about here in this campaign. It is wonderful to work together and serve together. And it's wonderful. It is wonderful the way this campaign is reaching out already. Uh, just on Facebook, we received uh, a note from a lady in New York. And uh, she says, which I like her name because it's my last name, except she pronounces it a little bit different. I may go to that. But she says, dear God, 
Why am I suffering so much after I constantly cry out for your help? You know, one of our members went to a door, I can't remember if it was yesterday or Friday, and one of your neighbors stood on their porch and they shed tears as they said almost that exact same thing. Our sister here that was standing at that door gave her a hug. And then she said, let's pray about this and let's see what we can do. It's wonderful that there are people all around us, God's people, that truly care. And what we need to be highly aware of is as much as we could care, God cares even more. And so please, let's all remember that with our pain and our challenges and our questions, the only true source we can turn to is God. And so let's continue to do that. If we were going to have named this 13questions.net, there would have been another topic that we would study this morning. And so therefore we are. So really we're getting a baker's dozen. If we took the top 13 areas of questions, the 12 that we've been talking about now for several weeks, but then there was a 13th area and it wasn't so much one specific question, but it was a lot of different questions that could ultimately be boiled down to this. Who is Jesus? Questions about, is he really the son of God? Why would he die for me? Why did he need to die for me? Obviously in this one lesson, we can't answer all of the various questions that have been asked through this campaign about Jesus. But I would like for us to just think about God becoming man. I would like for us to think about that name, that person, Jesus. And I'd like to be fair and begin this morning by saying, if you want to know anything, doesn't it make sense to go to the most reliable source and the source that shares the most information about it? Don't take for granted what I'm about to say. No other source says more about Jesus Christ than the New Testament. From the first to the last, Jesus Christ is the source of information to turn to, to learn of Jesus. It's from God. But also that what springs out of those 27 books, we read about the birth, the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection. We get a real good picture of that in the first four books of what we call the New Testament. And then the fifth book is called Acts of the Apostle. We sometimes refer to that as the history of the church. Pause there for a moment. What's the word church mean? The church means the called out. Why in Romans 16, 16 do we read of this phrase? The churches of Christ greet you. Let's replace the phrase called out. That's the definition of church. The called out of Christ greets you. Do you see that even the book of Acts is ultimately about Christ's people? Those who have decided to leave the world and come and be followers, disciples of Jesus. They are the called out. They are the sanctified. They are the church that belongs to Christ, the called out. You see, all 27 books are so tightly interwoven together because 
All of them ultimately are about Jesus. They're either about his life, his ministry, or they're about his people and how he prepares his people for his second coming. As we think about this this morning, I want to invite you to Matthew, the first chapter, and in verse 1. Now, surely someone has thought in their mind already, well, that's pretty clever. Let's just start at the beginning of the book. Isn't that a wonderful idea? If we want to know about Jesus, and then we know that there is one testament that says more about Jesus, more accurate. It's also been challenged more often, but yet proven to be true. Why not go and see, okay, this book, the New Testament, how does it begin as it tells us about Jesus Christ? Let's read the first uh, sentence or so here. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. I'd like for you to notice three key things. They're huge, they're powerful, and it's the beauty of the scriptures, how so much can be said in so few words. Number one, I'd like for you to notice that word genealogy. If God was going to be the only thing that we talked about and God never became man, there would be no reason to ever talk about genealogy. The fact that we begin talking about Jesus by talking about genealogy means God became man. But now what man or who was or is this man, Jesus Christ? Well, the fact that we begin with a genealogy that any Jew and many of us that know Scripture would quickly say, wait a minute, you're saying that we're about to study about a man who was, and see, we're going back in time, the Old and New Testament together here. That was the son of David. And then the father of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Wait a minute, if we're going to study about him, we're studying about the Messiah. But before we camp out on that thought Messiah, just think about this. The fact that we're studying the genealogy of one that came from these men immediately ties together all of the promises in the Old Testament to say, in essence, this man is the one who is going to fulfill all of those promises of the Old Testament. Genealogy ties Jesus to the one who was prophesied in the Old Testament. Number two, notice the name Jesus. Jesus was a very common name in their culture. That name ties God to man. God became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1 and 14. God became Jesus. He became flesh and blood. Do you remember when the angel was preparing Joseph for the fact that the woman that he was about to take as his wife was pregnant? And God was trying to explain to him, she's not been unfaithful to you. As a virgin, she's going to give birth. I want you to notice, as we see here in 21, still in Matthew 1, if you have your Bible open, we don't have a slide for this, but if you have your Bible open, Matthew 1 and 21, she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, 
For he will save his people from their sins. Do you see ultimately what God was, was speaking through the angel telling Joseph there? He says, look, he, he's going to be flesh and blood. He's going to be a son. You call his name Jesus, but know this. He's not going to be just any flesh and blood. It's incarnation. He's going to be God and flesh at the same time. So the angel could follow up and say, call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. Now let's go back up to our first verse that we're studying here. It's about genealogy, tying Jesus to the Old Testament. He's fulfilling prophecy. It's about Jesus. He, God, became flesh. But notice it's about Jesus Christ the son of David. Christ is a word, a name, or a description that points to him being the Messiah. In other words, he wasn't just a good man. And please note this, if you've never camped out on this, take this one and think about it this afternoon. He wasn't just a perfect man. Even though there's never been another perfect man to live. Listen, he was and still is the Messiah, the Savior, God who came to save us. He is the Christ. In John, the first chapter, we usually call him John the Baptist. Remember, he was the forerunner to tell people what? Who Jesus is. That was literally his ministry. I, I want, God wants people to know that this great Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is coming and his earthly ministry is about to begin. And John's ministry was much like your ministry and my ministry today. I'm not saying exactly like it, but it's much like it where John's ministry was. I want people to be looking for Jesus. Our ministry ought to be. I want people to be looking for Jesus. And you remember the writer of the Gospel of John was standing beside John the Baptist. And Andrew was standing there too. And John the Baptist looks down the way and he sees Jesus Christ. And he says to those two men, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Well, when Jesus came closer and he spoke, Andrew and John, they must have hung on every word. Because when Jesus finished speaking, he turned around and I suppose he heard footsteps because he turned back and he asked them, what are you doing? And they said, Rabbi, which we today would say, teacher. Teacher, where do you stay? The way we would probably say that today is we would probably say, I think Jesus is walking away. We would probably say, teacher, could we spend the day with you and learn more about things like we just heard? He invited them to come and they, they spent the day with Jesus. And do you remember the rest of that wonderful story? Andrew was so excited, so excited about what he had heard about Jesus that he ran and he told his brother. Remember Peter? He told his brother who he had met. And, and he said this in 41 of John, the first chapter. He first found his own brother, Simon, and he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. How does the New Testament open? 
It's almost as if Matthew is saying, we're about to study about the one that all of the Old Testament has been leading toward. He was born on this earth. His name is Jesus. But he wasn't just any little boy, not just any baby, not just any man. He is the Christ, the Messiah. And when people followed him and learned of him, they quickly realized this guy's not just a great teacher. He was a great teacher, but he's more than a great teacher. He's not just a good friend. He's more than a good friend. He's not just someone you should casually know. They learned that he was the Messiah. He was the one that we should be willing to lay down all to follow him. I debate about whether or not to get you to raise your hands. I guess I'll take the chance on it. I wonder how many of you, I don't know if it's ADD. I don't know exactly what it is, but people have strong feelings about this. When you start a good book and you read the first few pages and you're like, ooh, I like this. How many of you go ahead and flip to the back to see how it ends at that moment before you go back and read it? This, that's amazing to me how many do that. But we're all different, aren't we? If it's a good book, I can't imagine going back. But you know what? Here we are in a sermon and we've just started a good book. We're going to make you guys happy. Let's go and see how it ends. Let's go to Revelation. Revelation. Let's go to the very end. And, and I want you to think about everything in these 27 books that make up the New Testament. Everything is about Christ or His people. Everything. And so we've just seen how it begins. And now let's see how it ends. And if it's intriguing to you, I encourage you to devote your life to learning about this Jesus in everything in between Matthew 1 and Revelation 22. So here's how it ends. Let's read the last few sentences here. We're going to be reading Revelation 22, and we're going to start in chapter, I mean, uh, verse 20, just the last two verses. We're, when I said the end, we're going to the very end, okay? This is how the Bible closes. John the Revelator says, He who testifies to these things says... Now, if you're reading from a red letter edition, you'll notice that this phrase right here is a quote of Jesus. So he who testifies these things says, and now this quotes Jesus, surely I come quickly. And now what's John's explanation going to be to Jesus coming quickly? Notice what it is. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus, exclamation mark after it. You see how the book ends? The book ends with, with, Jesus, with John saying, I want to quote Jesus. Jesus said he's going to come quickly. I want to tell you how I feel about that. Come, Jesus. Come quickly. John, how can you be so confident? He's so perfect and we as humans are so weak. He's so, he's so powerful and we're, we're sinful and weak. He, he, are you confident, John? How can you feel so good about Jesus coming back? Notice the last sentence of the Bible. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. We studied in Matthew 1 about Jesus Christ. Did you notice that there's another name or description added here? Did you notice that? It's powerful. In other words, if you start reading the New Testament in Matthew 1 and you really devoted your life to learning Jesus, by the time you get to Revelation 22, Jesus Christ should have become your what? Lord. By the time the Bible closes, there's not a need, if we've read everything in between, to explain that. 
Lord means that we would be submissive. Master, servant, I trust you. I lay it all down at your feet. But now wait a minute. What is the description about the Lord Jesus Christ here? Notice again, that last sentence says, the grace of the Lord Jesus. You see, the book, the New Testament, is going to end by showing the great work of Jesus coming to this earth. Jesus, why did you come to this earth? And ultimately he could say, read the last sentence in the Bible and you'll see why I came to this earth. I wanted to bring grace. The word grace means generous gift. Listen, you could offer a generous gift. I could offer a generous gift, but none of us could offer a gift like the Lord Jesus Christ can offer. Jesus can offer eternal life. Jesus can offer the remission of sins. Jesus can offer you and I the opportunity to clean the slate and start again. Jesus can offer us peace when nobody else can bring us peace. Jesus can give us guidance that no one else can have that kind of wisdom. Jesus can love us like no one can love us. When we talk about grace and we talk about a generous gift, there's no generosity like Jesus's. And so the book closes. The book closes with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, depending on your translation, it'll say, be with you all. Or really, I believe a little bit better translations are the ones that says about be with the saints. Amen. You remember we've already talked about the church is what? The called out. How do people leave the world and come to Christ? Well, I'm just going to state a broad principle. Now, there's details we need to obey, but for this lesson, I want you to think about a broad principle. The broad principle is the only way we can leave the world and come to Christ is by the grace of the Lord Jesus. So if we have received and submitted our life to the grace of the Lord Jesus, then what have we done? We've left the world and we've come to the Lord, and that idea of called out is sanctified. We're living a different life. Now our life is all about the Lord. Here it was all about us, sin, pleasure, carnalness, etc. Here our life is about Lord. Who? Lord. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that He's the Christ. I believe in eternal life. I wholly submit my life to the Lord. The word saint is a form of sanctified. Saints are people that have been called out and living that different life. Now, I do want to take your mind back to verse 20 to give you just an idea of how awesome it is what we're, we're studying, the facts that relate to Jesus. And 20, what was Jesus' statement? Surely I come quickly. Pretty powerful statement for somebody who died on a cross, isn't it? I don't say this lightly, and I know this room is full of people that would agree with this, but if you have never thought about this, I'm not asking you to agree with it because we agree with it. But listen, I believe with all of my heart that the one who died on the cross is coming again. The reason I believe that is because I believe he's much more than man.
He's the Son of God who conquered death. He's not just a good man. He's God who conquered death. People don't die and then tell you, I'm coming back, unless they're God. Or unless they're a lunatic or a liar, as C.S. Lewis would say. But yet everything that he said thus far has been proven to be true. I believe the crucified and resurrected Lord is coming again. Will you go to our text? And don't worry, we're not opening up the sermon. We're closing it, okay? But I'd like for us to read the text again of today and then the lesson. The lesson is yours. In John, the 20th chapter, there were a lot of people that believed that Jesus lived, but they were having a hard time believing that He truly was the Son of God. And so John, as one of the four Gospels, is written several years later than Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written. Because there was still that problem that people were believing Jesus lived, but they were not believing He was the Son of God. And so notice again what is said here in John 20, verse 30. And truly, Jesus did many other signs. That's talking about the miracles. In the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. There's at least seven. Some would say eight. That you may believe. Why is the gospel of John written? That we might believe what? That Jesus, that's the man, God became man, is the Christ, that is the Messiah, the Son of God, that's deity, and that believing, you have to decide if you're going to believe in Him. Believing, you may have life in His name. I don't have time to develop this, but I want you to think quickly, as we close, our world is comfortable today of having an ideal Jesus to them. What do I mean by that? It's like a patchwork quilt. Oh, I've heard a sermon one time about this, about Jesus, and I liked it. And, and I read a devotional passage one day about Jesus, about this, and I liked it. And, and I've heard something like this about Jesus, and I like it. And we form this, this vision about it's our ideal Jesus. But the problem with that is it's not based on complete truth. And so we're much more comfortable with this sincerity over truth. Listen, sincerity never changes lies into truth. Hundreds of years ago, all the people that believed that the world was flat, their sincere belief did not make it flat. Right now, I could beg you to believe that the moon is made out of cheese. And what if you were gullible and we could convince not only you, but the entire population of the world? It wouldn't change the fact. No matter how sincere we are, no matter how many would believe it, it would not change the moon from the substance that it is now to cheese. Are you comfortable going through life with your ideal Jesus? Or do you want to really learn Jesus? I beg you, devote your life to those wonderful teachings 
between Matthew 1 and Revelation 22. Learn Jesus. He's talking. He's telling us everything we need to know. Will you listen? I know it's a little bit humorous, but I don't want you to miss the point of it in the humor. Tommy Boat, in 1958 when the U.S. opened, he told about an experience he had a little bit earlier at a tournament where he went onto the greens, and I know this is different in today's time, but he asked the caddy master who would be a, a good guy. And there was this young caddy. And, and so he asked the master about this young caddy. And the master told him, said, the master caddy told him, said, listen, he knows this course. He knows the greens. He knows the rules of golf. But the only thing I can say negative is he talks too much. So Boat went back and said, I tell you what, son, I want you to be my caddy under one condition. Don't say a word. I said, okay. He went through three rounds of golf and was shooting a tremendous game. But it was in that third round that he had an errant tee and it ended up in the rough and it had a difficult shot, shot to the green with water on the right. And so he got out or he was reaching and he said to the caddy, he allowed him to nod. That was the agreement, he could nod. And so he, he said to the caddy, he said, five iron right here? The caddy was adamant, no. He, he reached for a six iron, he said six iron, and he was still adamant, no. Well, Boat ignored him, he took the six iron, he laid it up within three foot of the pin. Beautiful shot. He, he's putting the club up and he's walking and he said, so, six iron was way to go, why didn't you want me to shoot it? Of course he didn't say anything. So finally he said, are you not gonna say anything ever? He said, I want you to answer that. And so finally he broke the silence by saying, Mr. Bolt, that was not your ball you just hit. There's a lot of mistakes made in life. A lot of mistakes made in life when we won't listen to the one that knows. I want you to just pause for a moment and think how ignorant it is to take a source that can tell us more about Jesus than any source and then say, oh yeah, I want to know Jesus, but I'm not going to read. He's speaking. The question is, are you listening? What I learned today, number one, I learned the most accurate source about Jesus is the New Testament. Number two, I learned I need to learn Jesus, not just create my ideal of Jesus. Number three, I learned that when we learn Jesus, we live for His return. He's coming again. And for those who are the ecclesia, for those who have been called out, for those who know Jesus, oh, what a day it will be. Listen, if we can help you in any way, if it's not even during this invitation song, if it's later you want to sit down and you ask questions, you want prayers, or if it's during this invitation song and you want to be baptized into Christ or you want to be restored, how can we help you? We'd love to help you. No one here has it all put together, but we all here want to say we have devoted our life to learning and living 
for the Jesus Christ that is our Lord we love. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand as we sing.